Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Hey, welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. I have a return guest, which as you all know, I love speaking to someone I've spoken to before because these conversations are never long enough and I'm constantly learning from my guests. I have Mr. Lion, aka Ryan Chathy Wardena. Did I get it even close that time? You did. <laughs> yes. All right. So, and actually it'd be reversed. It'd be Ryan, aka Mr. Lion, but... What's <laughs> well, very well very well very excited to be back it was lovely to chat last time so yeah i'm I'm stoked to be able to pick up the conversation again i'm glad to hear that was that a cutty sark uh coffee mug i just saw cutty sark coffee mug yeah awesome. <laughs> love it so we are going to talk about a, a couple of huge things that are you know impacting i i could say i guess the the world of mr lion i think that's fair to yeah. say so we're going to jump right in because I think a lot of people do know this, but 10 years ago, you opened the doors of the Innovative White Lion in London, yeah. which, I mean, huge congratulations. 10 years ago, we opened this. You've changed things, you know, added things to the portfolio, but 10 years operating globally, I mean, it's different markets and different projects you've had. So congrats and can you. expect some celebrations. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite <laughs> mad to reflect on because I don't think I've really thought about it as being 10 years. And you, you speak to lots of people about that. And I don't think they really, um, you know, you never register it when you're kind of like in the thick of it. Um, and it was funny because Ian mentioned it. Like we we first started to do some things with the brand before we opened up the venues with the color collaboration projects. And, you know, it was it was great. So the, the Mr. Lion world had actually kind of been out for for probably a year longer. But it was, you know, as Ian pointed out, it was like 10 years of when we opened kind of White Lion and seeing how much has kind of changed, not just for us, but, you know, in the landscape. And, you know, 10 years in this industry is like, it's quite a long tenure. Like it's, you know, I love how like dynamic the world is, but it also can kind of sometimes feel a little bit of shame that things don't have kind of like big longevity. You tend to have two camps. It's like things that burnt really quickly and or things that are full on, you know, 50-year, 100-year institutions kind of thing. So it's been wonderful to to kind of reflect on this. And, you know, we started to think about how, you know, it was a significant milestone. So we wanted to to kind of find something that would kind of help us celebrate that everything that's gone on. And, you know, it quickly became less about what we've been able to do in the venues and all of those things. And it really kind of focused on kind of all the people that have been part of it. Because, you know, as we started to to kind of reflect on, you know, the different projects we've opened, closed and, you know, done as like events or collaborations or all of these things. The list of people who have been part of it is is really remarkable. Like it's it's incredible to be able to look and not just take that pride in like, you know, having been able to work with so many incredible people, but, you know, really to see how much they've gone on and done amazing things around the world to do with food and drink. So, you know, that became the focus of what we wanted to to kind of celebrate and, you know, try to pull off this, well, still yet to see whether we're going to be able to pull off this incredibly ambitious way of being able to celebrate that. But it was really about bringing lots of, well, as many people as we could back to be part of of, of those celebrations. Will each bar in the current portfolio be celebrating the 10 years? Yeah. So 
the plan is to um and I, I suppose we've done it, this idea of kind of like recreating our, our venues in the past we we you know we replicated lioness to a crazy detail when we um collaborated with mastercard and their priceless series in, in new york so we we've had a go at doing some of it where we've rebuilt our own venues but you know whenever we've tried to do a kind of like installation or we brought friends from around the world into town we've tried to do more than just kind of like stick them behind the bar we've brought elements of their own venues or you know materials or visuals anything that helps kind of bring it to life a little bit more um so the plan is to to kind of recreate some of our venues past and present actually everything that we've done and you know like faithfully recreate them um including the ones that are around the world so we'll be bringing silver line over from dc and we'll bring super line from amsterdam and you know the teams will come with but we'll also yeah try to build them as a little installation in kind of some of the suites in the hotel in London and have wow. something that people can drop in and, you know, not only experience the visuals of what those bars are, because so much of it is, you know, we put so much care into our materials, our, you know, visual space, how it reflects all of the characters, each of those venues. So it's a major thing is trying to, to kind of bring some of that character to kind of back into to each of these spaces um, but it's also like, you know, those other touches that really build up what those bars are about. So obviously the drinks, but the people, the music, the lighting, the way that they operated. I mean, like we, we've been talking about White Lion and, you know, White Lion was a riot. People always heard these headlines about the fact that it was like, you know, no ice and no citrus. And it was this weird black and chrome bar in like deepest, darkest East London. But it was also like super fun. You know, it wasn't, you know, we did some pretty weird drinks. But I think the thing that people, you know, when they talk about it or they reminisce, they talk about the fact that it was, you know, just it brought a very different side to to kind of like cocktail drinking than what really existed at that point. You know, 2013 is a landscape. It was quite a serious space for kind of cocktail bars. So to have something that felt like, you know, really it, it felt like you were entering into like some special little party, but it was very democratic and welcoming and open you know, that's the bit I'm also really excited to bring to life for people because, you know, they might not have ever seen that. They might have just heard about what the bar was meant to be. So being able to bring some of those real kind of moments within it is also very exciting. How how do you quantify like fun? Like, do you do you, do you approach this like I I need this bar to be fun? This is what's going to do it, or is it? I hope that we can make this fun with the right team and let's let the chips fall where they may how do you guarantee fun <laughs> yeah it's totally it's it, and you know it's one of those kind of oxymoronic things if you if you build it in it doesn't happen so you know it 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 definitely has to be natural to it and you know i think it came about because we wanted something that felt like an antidote so we could do some of those things by removing the barriers or you know the things that our friends found like difficult about going to cocktail bars you know I always talk about the fact that it's easy to remove some of the, the the kind of logistical pillars, you know, the drinks came out quick and they were cheap. <laughs> um, you know, that was a, a real big thing about it was like remove the barriers of price and, and time. But it was also about like, you know, the language we would use. We wanted it to feel much more accessible. We didn't want it to have to be like, this is a temple to, to the cocktail. You have to know about, you know, the history behind a Manhattan to really be able to understand it. It was going, well, how do we make it relevant to people? But then also by hiring 
kind of really big personalities. I remember somebody coming into White Line and being like, oh, this is amazing, you know, from a big pub group. And they were like, you know, you've essentially like automated a lot of this stuff. You know, you can pour out the drinks, you pre-production, you know, you could do all of these things. You could just get like anybody to serve. And I was like, no, we have the opposite. We have one of probably the most experienced teams in the world. And you have people that are natural storytellers. People are great hosts because we wanted to to kind of show that cocktails could be for everyone, not just for like the the kind of like niche of people who are already really into it. You know, it was very much about the people and sure the music and like, you know, the way that we laid it out. We didn't force people to like to sit. Um, we didn't do big leather armchairs. It was much more about kind of like stuff that felt a little bit more kind of youthful and like dynamic. But it was really just the the team. And I think it helped with White, White Lion as well, because we, you know, we were such an other bar, like we were the weirdos. So we also became a great place for all of the like people who felt other or like a weirdo to hang out. And that inevitably led to like, you know, great creative sets and really like people that were pushing the boundaries of things. And I think they also needed a place to feel welcomed and to feel at home. And so, you know, even we were like an amazing spot for for people in the like LGBTQ plus community where there was like, you know, and there wasn't tons of places for them to be able to get together with friends or, or feel part of something that felt welcoming to them. So, you know, it just ended up being like a ton of fun. Like it was yeah, we were serious about the drinks, but we weren't going to like let anybody else have to know that. Um, it was just about going, this is real tasty and you usually like these kind of flavors. This one will work for you. Um, and just making it feel very human in that that kind of interaction. Yeah, it was in a way it was planned, but actually all of it came to life very naturally. Um, and it just kind of like blossomed from there. And, you know, those are the bits that I'm excited to kind of bring back you know, and, and and demonstrate to people that's still a, a relevant point now, you know, as much as it was 10 years ago. So you touched on the drinks and it's probably a silly question, but are you planning a special cocktail menu for each bar in the portfolio? Or are you going to bring back some, you know, some classics from White Lion? Well, no, we we, we are going to bring back some of their, their, each of their classics. I think as soon as we announced that we were going to do each of these bars, people were like, are you bringing back the concrete Sazerac or are you going to have the Moby Dick from, from White Lion? And so we we kind of went through and we find, found some things that I think meant a lot to us and kind of represented those bars. And, you know, we're doing that as some of the, the kind of hits of it. But we're also, you know, we're also conscious that not everybody's going to be able to come to London. It's a great opportunity for, for Londoners or the people who are going to be in town during this period to, you know, visit silver lion when you know they may not be able to travel to dc or amsterdam or wherever it might be or travel back in time but we also want to to be able to i suppose create that sense of community so you know seed library lioness silver lion superline they're also going to run a decade kind of menu so they'll be able to to kind of also like highlight some of the drinks that feature as as part of the celebration without us having to to kind of worry about how do we get this ingredient across to a different part of the world? Like, or even some of the, you know, we reflected that white line was probably only legal in, in the UK. Um, you know, the way that we batch drinks, but even some of the ingredients, we couldn't put that, like, you know, the Moby Dick Sazerac on for, for all of the bars because you're not allowed to use ambergris in the U S so we would have had to change that. So we, it's been a kind of, yeah, the, the logistics that have gone into this event are like, 
ludicrous. Like, you know, I think we're used to doing things that feel ambitious and a bit ridiculous and, and stupid. But, you know, just, you know, I feel very, very fortunate. So it's, you know, it's been a central team. It was actually James, who's our London big boss. It was his idea when we were trying to think of a way to, to kind of celebrate this. He was like, I've got a bit of a left field idea on how we could we could pull this off. And then, you know, Rebecca, Alex, Ian and, and James have been, you know, doing so many tasks, so many different things to not only coordinate all the people coming from you know, everywhere from Australia to America, like, you know, real full spectrum of the world, but also, you know, try to find ways to to bring this to life. We're we're displacing bits of a hotel. We have to find ways of putting a production in without you know, like pissing off every other room that's in the hotel. We have to find ways of getting people up in lifts. And, you know, there's, there's a lot to be able to work out. And, you know, it, again, it's it's one of those things that helps you reflect on, you know, how fortunate we've been to have so many brilliant people be part of this company. You know, just this event alone is is kind of really demonstrating the fact that we, you know, we didn't do things in a normal way. There wasn't a lot of like other examples around the world that we could look to to go, oh, these people did it this way. We'll learn from that. We've had to kind of create systems or or learn how to do things with no money and in a very kind of like quick manner. But I also think that's become like very much a, a key character of what we do in in the Lion Company. So in all ways, it feels like a very fitting and very ridiculous celebration to try and try and pull off. They'll be working the, the team, obviously, but have you kind of worked out how they'll also get to celebrate the milestone? Yeah, there's like, this was kind of crucial. You know, we, the lovely thing about it is also we get to bring, you know, it's not everybody. There's been hundreds of people over the, over the years. So, you know, we, but we've tried to find a way to to bring people together and, you know, we're going to do a big family dinner. There's a opportunity to, to kind of like have some very special one-off things that we're only doing, not only for the decade, but for the team themselves as well. Um, and, you know, be able to, to toast with um, some some amazing food and drink and things that, you know, speak to this idea of, of a milestone. So, you know, I don't want to reveal too many of the things that they're <laughs> going to get because it's um like, I want those to be a surprise for them as well. Like, you know, how do you celebrate something that feels, yeah, significant in that way and and reflects, you know, that, that idea of time, you know, that's something that we've always loved kind of trying to play is like, how do you take something that is, in a lot of ways, it means nothing. It's like a, a, you hear the word 10 years and, you know, that that's hard to make tangible. So what can we have that, yeah, like celebrates that idea in a really kind of like hopefully meaningful way for them? Because it's, you know, it's their celebration. So I know you don't, don't want to reveal, reveal too much, but will there be like some guest appearances from some original, you know, team members? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. We've got, you know, and we're really lucky that we've had people who have been with us for huge amounts of time. Um, you know, James has been with us from the beginning, you know, Alex and Ian, we're like, you know, obviously now very much part of the the, the company, but we're, we're foundational to everything. And, you know, there's people that have been with us for huge, huge swathes of time. Um, but it's also nice to be able to, to kind of bring people back who have, yeah, like got on to do like loads in their own careers as a kind of post. And that was a big part of what we tried to do in the company is like create that like platform or that stepping stone as they go on to to kind of find what's next for them. But, you know, that's what's really nice about then bringing some of these people back to to kind of join in the celebrations is, 
it's it's going to feel really magical to have them all back in the room together. That's a great idea. There's a you probably know Herbs and Rye out in Las Vegas, Natalia Mendoza's bar, and their uh, ten year they brought back as many original bartenders as they could for guest yeah. shifts. And it was just one massive party. And that's kind of what I'm expecting uh, for your venues when you're, when yeah. you're big celebration. Yeah. We, we've also like front loaded the, um, you know, the family part of it. So yeah, there's a good chance the first night's going to be fairly hungover. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that's that's stuff that we've been able to roll with in the past. Uh, yeah. I, there's definitely been a couple of things where we've done, um, you know, back to back big events and yeah, we're, we're fairly versed in that part of it as well. <laughs> Love it. So you have mentioned that you're still kind of grappling with, you know, what 10 years means, but as far as some of the processing, what does it mean to you that you are celebrating a, a 10 year milestone? I mean, it's, it, it's really nice to, to kind of, again, try and think on each of the venues that we opened, they were trying to challenge or change something. You know, every time that we try and do something, it's it's for a reason. And, you know, it's really nice to be able to think of, you know, the reason why we ended up closing venues and creating new things in their space was when they succeeded. So it's really nice to be able to kind of like reflect on some of these things and go, you know, what is it, what is it about these that was was important? What did we see change as a result of it? And, you know, a lot of the reason why we've we've tried to do as much in the the industry as we have is because we we really love this industry we really believe in in all it can be so it's really nice to to kind of think on those 10 years and go you know these were and of course we're not the only ones who were part of these kind of points of change but it's really nice to be like oh that was awesome that was something that like existed in a very different way in the past and you know we saw that as problematic and we've we've tried to see what we can do to to kind of shift that conversation or move the the kind of needle on that into a different kind of like space and it is really different and i'm really glad that you know some of the things that we had to go through to kind of grow up in this industry aren't part of it anymore you know that that was a really major thing is going you know yes i believe in experience and it's wonderful to have you know your own personal learnings it doesn't mean that you have to go through some of the terrible stuff that was inherent in our industry beforehand and you know if we can kind of shift that on and be like cool like you can learn from our failures or the things that were kind of like built in that we've now been able to to kind of see as being you know obsolete or or not relevant to the conversation we can kind of shift it in a different way and you know i think it's been really nice as we've gone through this process to just think on some of those things you know it's you kind of forget about it in the the kind of current day and that's the way it should be right like you you don't want to have to live through traumas or or kind of be like oh it used to really not function or these opportunities weren't there or these whole groups of people weren't part of our industry but you know going through this this kind of like period of reflection it's it's really nice to think on all of those positives and those those shifts that have happened and and what that's meant for for everything that lies in front of us and i think that was the key you know when we were were trying to look at this we're not really a although i do get sentimental about certain things we're not really there to kind of look back we always want to continue to look forwards but you know, I think that we've been in danger in the past of not really stopping to to kind of appreciate the successes or what's gone on or, or what has changed. So it's a really nice opportunity to reflect, to be able to see what has kind of moved on, to be able to look forwards. And, you know, I think I yeah remain super optimistic, but I also feel super excited about some of the stuff that 
you know, we're able to be looking forward to and, and what what's coming next. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's been a big period of change and it's been really lovely to to kind of look at those 10 years and think about all of the the different things that have been kind of markers in amongst it and to use that as a way of going great we can we can positively kind of reflect on on what's what's what we've been part of and what what's been able to change so i'm sure a lot of operators out there would think that you're absolutely nuts for deciding to maybe close down one brand and launch something new so when you and the team <laughs> decide okay i think we're this is gone the course that we want it to go what are some of the markers maybe that you look at that go, okay, it's time for this to change or this to go away. And I have this new idea. Let's pursue this. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, we've always tried to be as honest as possible and that's honest to ourselves. It's also to be, you know, like cognizant about what's changing around us and to kind of reflect and feel like whether those things kind of still align and, and link up. And I think in our early days, you know, we didn't really know how much things would change or could change or, you know, were going to be influenced by by some of the things that we were doing or were going on. And so I think we, you know, purposefully, like those those venues were designed to be quite kind of like focused in on what they were trying to, to kind of like challenge. And inevitably, it just it was that point of reflecting is going, oh, wow, this this has done this. You know, this is no longer continuing to feel like it's challenging. And, you know, if that's the point of what this brand is meant to stand for, then we have to kind of look look to what's next. And, you know, I think there's there's an element of we've we've learned from that and we've kind of we've definitely built into the, the current venues, like room for them to evolve without having to be like you know, literally torched to the ground and built up from scratch. But not that we're against that either. You know, it, it remains part of our DNA to kind of go, you know, is this still relevant? Is it doing something that feels like it connects with its audience, with its landscape and with what's going on? And if it doesn't, then it's, you know, what's the point of its existing? I, I, I feel like it's, I think I've said in the past, I think it feels like it's vanity at that point. And I don't really think that that's, you know, the way that we operate, the way that our teams are kind of like, you know, bought into each of the spaces, it, it it's not about vanity. It's not about doing things for ourselves. So, you know, I think reflecting and, and realizing whether, what you're doing is 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 kind of you know and it's hospitality it's for other people right it's not for our for ourselves you know yes of course it's lovely to be able to create things that you you feel welcomed into and reflect stuff that you love as well um but if you're only doing it for yourself i think it's it is important to be able to go right is this is this still functioning in the right way do does and again not everybody's going to take the drastic approach of of going we've got to start from scratch but it it is a good point to you know you know, I think there's a a real danger in in an industry that is kind of still quite junior and is still trying to to kind of like legitimize itself and and prove itself to people that you um you can get a bit nostalgic and you can fetishize the past and be like, no, it's still gonna we we're gonna focus on these things and you know that's the the way it's gotta be without looking at the fact that the rest of the world has evolved around you. And you know, I think even for classical venues even for the most traditional things i'm an absolute believer in innovate or die and you know it's it, that i think people see that as being quite a, a kind of childish statement but it's not about removing or getting rid of the traditions to be able to remain but everything even the most classical like you you know have businesses in the uk that are like you know 500 years old 
they've still evolved. They've still moved with the times because so much has changed over that period. If you don't, you know, that's the reason why their competitors died off. You know, it's not about like you, you, you have to be traditional. Um, you, you know, you can't be traditional, sorry, to be able to, to kind of like, like survive in it. It's just, that you still have to, you know, be able to, to kind of adapt to what's, what else is, is kind of happening. So it's like that awareness piece and being sensitive to, you know, do you still connect with, who you're trying to connect to and everything you're meant to stand for. I do love that answer. I mean, you can just look at the you know, scotch for an example. That's supposed to be yeah. very traditional, but they are finding ways to get around the regulations or rules and go, well, we don't, we can, if we follow these steps, we can introduce other steps and we can do yeah. something innovative. So, and to be kind of blunt, like uh, if a new operator is like, do you, do we need another sports bar in this town? Like why, why is your sports bar, going to be better and draw more people yeah. in because you're doing something innovative hopefully otherwise maybe you don't need the 12th sports bar on this block that's, that's <laughs> yeah. so I, I definitely see where you're coming from and it sounds like you know you kind of touched on these but this is a big question again but when the first thing that popped into your head what are some of the important lessons you've learned as an operator over the over the course of 10 years oh wow i mean there's been <laughs> so great. many things yeah there's been so much that we've we've messed up and you know i i still think it's a it's a a constant like revolving thing of like what can we refine what can we do differently what can we continue to work on but you know i think there was even with best laid plans like we wanted the the bars to be for the teams you know we we always said we wanted there to be a sense of ownership we wanted them to be platforms for people to to be themselves and, you know, even with that as being our, like, North Star, that's the point of what we're trying to do. We 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 learned so much about where we'd failed in that and, you know, where we didn't manage to bring that to life or, you know, even though the intention was to be that, maybe we've created a, a, a way of working or, you know, who's responsible for things that doesn't make that the case. Or, you know, we try to make things about you know, that tension between excellence and accessibility and, you know, different points at which we've got that like balance wrong. And, you know, it might've been about clarity or it might actually be about, you know, we need to kind of get back to the basics and hone in on those little details again, because, you know, for whatever reason, they might not have been kind of uh, ringing true in the current day. So, you know, it's it's been a constant like game of refinement. Um, I don't know if there's been anything that's like, like major change or a lesson that we kind of learned. I think there was a certain bit of, you know, we needed to be kind of honest with ourselves and we needed to know when to ask for help. Um, I think that's a big thing, particularly from my point of view that I learned, you know, I was like, we, you know, we didn't have all of the resources. We didn't have all of the means to kind of like do things in the, the kind of best way we had to kind of learn as we went along and I think we were always good about kind of realizing that that could come from different different industries, different perspectives. And, you know, we always tried to kind of learn from whatever expert that we could. But at the same time, I don't think that we, you know, when we weren't getting things right, I don't think we did ask for help from the people that could have helped us a lot. And, you know, there was mistakes that we made and like, yeah, I think there's been different parts that have, have kind of suffered or didn't really get to achieve their full potential as a result of that. And, you know, that's something that we we don't take lightly. And, you know, I particularly think about this, like, you know, as as we're trying to to kind of like maintain or grow the business is going, you know, are we, you know, being 
cautious about the fact that we have these responsibilities to our team and you know what we stand for and you know there's people that believe in us and and what we we try and kind of carve out in the industry so let's make sure that we're we're like being respectful of that like we've we've got to a certain point we need to learn where we're failing and learn to look when when and where to ask for for kind of more help hi there just a quick message before we get you back to this episode If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. Well, it sounds like you're also not defensive about a perceived failure or you're not wallowing in it. You're like, all right, this didn't work. And someone on the team, you know, it could be yourself, could be someone else is like, okay, so that didn't work, but let's refine that and then we will move on. Because yeah, yeah it, that doesn't help you to dwell or to totally. get defensive about it. Yeah, I also think um, as an industry, people tend to be fairly kind of thick-skinned. Um, and I think it's a it's a crucial thing because you know that that criticism or that feedback or that you know being able to reflect and be like, whoa, we totally messed that up, and that was all on me. I've got to be able to hold my hands up and and kind of like understand that is you know that that is where you get the best growth. And you know those are the bits where yeah, we've definitely been very like humbled by like looking at some of those those bits that haven't worked out and being able to to recognize that and and kind of like listen when you know and it usually is somebody in the team kind of going you're messed up on this this wasn't right um and you know being able to go absolutely like we we won't let it happen again yeah i, I love that that's this responsible operator right there is just all right this was not working and to kind of be yeah. an open door type policy where anyone can say i don't think this worked and instead of being like yeah. you're just quote unquote just the bartender or just a bar back, I don't care about your opinion. That doesn't work either because they're no. watching everything. They hear everything from the guests, and they can tell you this did not work. Or yeah. we've been talking, you know, after work and what's going on with the team. This is not working for us. So I, I think yeah, your approach, you know, not to be too precious about things, I think is yeah. is the way to go. Well, and we've always said, I think it was like one of the key principles of the company is like everybody can challenge anything. Um, And, you know, I think it is, it's really crucial to learn that like, you know, that like the the expertise is always shifting space. And there's people that like might be brand new to the company who have something that, you know, an insight or an observation that we just wouldn't be able to have. And, you know, the thing of like, you know, we've always tried to empower people and again, being themselves, their own perspectives, the things that they find interesting or you know being able to let them kind of like see something and and kind of challenge anything that they want to um but i suppose it's like you know it's it's a constantly we've never got that completely right it's a it's an ongoing thing and we're we're trying to learn from it and get better systems of of accountability and better systems of of like seeing where we've got things wrong um and also praising the teams where they've managed to get it right to be able to go cool we can all learn from this without then making it like a cookie cutter thing where we're just going this is our new corporate mandate you know it's like you know i think that's the thing that we've done very well is kind of let the like teams be idiosyncratic they're all different like people cultures places and you know letting them breathe into their own but letting us all being able to 
learn from the learnings that can benefit us all. I'm almost hesitant to ask this question now because I think you've kind of touched on it over both of our conversations so far, but I mean, is there something that uh, you could, you would tell an operator today, like if you're going to enter this industry or you've kind of been going for a couple of years, this is something you need to do to reach 10 years or to reach longevity? Or is that just such a, such a open question? Well, I think it's, I, 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 I want to make sure that I'm not just like answering with something that feels kind of cliched or vague. And I think like, right. you know, it's, because I do think it's like, it's very easy as you're going through your, when you're starting a company, particularly in this industry, it's, it's chaotic. And so everything you're just trying to do is keep your head above water. And it's very easy to think that you've got to do certain things because you'll see success that happens somewhere. And you're like, okay, the way to make this work is to then like, that's the the thing to do to be able to make it work. And, you know, the, the things that make people or venues special is, is when they're like their own character, you know, it's, it's, it's their own beast and they're following what is kind of true to them. And I think it's, that would be my bit of advice is just kind of like do those points of self-reflection of going, does the, are we doing this because it like reflects what our goals were and what we were trying to do? Or are we doing it because those are the things that we've been told or we see as being the stuff that brings stability. And, you know, it's, uh, there is no one size fits all, you know, it's that classic one size fits one, right? Like, so like, how do you make sure that you're doing something that reflects yourself and your own particular particularities, you know, like it's, it's like, it's all about just kind of keeping that sense check. And I think it gets to a certain point in the business where that seems almost like a, a diverting path in front of you. And, you know, for whatever reasons, be it kind of like financial stability or growth or, you know, a, a new space or anything like that, it can become very easy to be seduced by going, oh, I just need to then put these procedures in or follow this or like do these things because those are the rules to then get you to the next stage. And like, that's the juncture where I think it's most crucial to be like, you just got to do what's right for you. Don't just follow what feels the established norm. Um, because, you know, once you're, you know, particularly getting into that point where it's like, you know, you're five or six years in, you're no longer just like a newbie kind of like working on uh, startup energy. You know, you, you've got to have been a bit more like, you know, you've got some of those systems in place. You've got some things that have got some good momentum. It's at that point where it's kind of very easy to to kind of like, yeah, get get sidetracked by something that doesn't feel specific to you. And I think that's that's my main thing that I would say is like, as soon as it starts to to kind of feel like that, like, of course, there should be things that get easier and, you know, don't, don't feel so chaotic, but it's still about making sure that they are for you and represent everything that you're trying to do. Eight years ago, so we're coming up on another decade milestone. Uh, <laughs> Good Things to Drink with Mr. Lion and Friends was published. And you are re-releasing the book, sort of. Yeah. It's not you're just, you know, throwing it back out there. There it is. Mr. Lion's Cocktails at Home. <laughs> so you got your your copy. So what can readers expect? Because if they have the original, this I know this isn't just a, a re-release, just it's there's there's new yeah. content. So what is the focus of this book? Well, it's it was interesting because the, the kind of publishers came to me and they were like, it's you know, it's it's great to see how much has changed in the kind of drink space where, since we first launched this book. And, you know, even when 
when I was asked to write the book originally, you know, it was on the back of we just, you know, White Lion had been kind of like, uh, you know, plowing away. Dan Lion had launched. And I think people had seen some of the weirder stuff that we were doing. And, and they were like, would you do a book based on, you know, some of the distillates or some of the ingredients that have been thrown into cocktails? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me because, you know, as much as I love what we're doing, it's really weird. Like I can say that it's weird from like my standards and, you know, I'm not going to do these things at home. And actually I really feel like there's not a lot that kind of, you know, everything that we try and do in the bars, yes, it might be a bit odd, but it's about connecting people and making it feel exciting and accessible to them. So, you know, I feel like there's still nothing that helps bring cocktails literally into people's homes and daily lives and folds practically into what they could actually do at home, let alone 50 steps and fermentation and weird ingredients and all this stuff that, yeah, just isn't practical if you're not going to professional setup and some very, very dedicated people. So, you know, that when we launched the book, that was the the kind of focus and there wasn't a lot that was in that space. And then, you know, we launched the masterclass series, the book had, you know, been translated in a couple of different languages and the publishers came back to me and they were like, you know, we've had a lot of requests from when we go to book shows, you know, as other books have launched, people have really like championed, you know, what the first book did and like have said it's been, you know, they've had great feedback to how useful it has actually been as a book, which is, you know, wonderful to hear. But they also talked about the fact that people, if they didn't know who we were or what we were doing, that it was a book about that. It was just called Good Things to Drink. And, you know, they were like, it's like, it's great. And it's very, you know, we love that title because it just, that's what we were focused on, like good things to drink. And, you know, it was good things because they were delicious, but they were also practical and it worked around different normal kind of like occasions in life. But they were like, well, you you know, there's there's an opportunity of like re-engaging and or talking to a, a, a different audience that you currently aren't, you know, and, and just the idea of cocktails at home is is kind of like very exciting to people at the moment. And, you know, would you consider like refocusing the book around that and, you know, updating some bits to to kind of help it work in that manner? And so it was it was just about, again, looking at those um, occasions that we'd looked at and finding things that, you know, again, like push this idea of how do you bring cocktails into your home? How do you use them as a tool to help you get to get get together better with your friends and and family? You know, and it was it was a really nice, I suppose, gentle challenge because, you know, they were like, it's 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 a it's a matter of switching the title because, you know, we want to be able to be overt about that's the goal. And, you know, for people who don't know you, that's what they should be able to read and, and focus. And then, you know, if we like do some tweaks to, you know, those occasions and look at other drinks that can kind of like bulk that out a little bit. So it's kind of looking more at this idea of, you know, okay, if you are getting together for like an intimate evening with with your loved one, or if it's a, a party or you're, you know, watching a game or, you know, you're you're out, you know, and, you know, it's the summertime and you want to be outside with cocktails, you know, what are the things that can practically help kind of really enable that? And, you know, that was a really nice thing to to kind of refocus on, given all of the learnings we've had over the years and, you know, seeing what's worked for people and, you know, some of the language that helps make it easier or the drinks that we know sing in those kind of settings. So it was it was really nice to to kind of, yeah, reflect and, and see how much has changed over that period and just do some little kind of like refinements to make the book work better for people in that way. 
and yeah, just kind of reinvigorate it and get some like kind of focus again to to kind of see if we can help a different audience to to the ones that we spoke to originally who who knew what we were doing and kind of came and visited the bars. You know, what could it mean for people who don't know what we're doing, <laughs> um, haven't ever visited, don't have any kind of grounding, but, you know, want to be able to include cocktails in their daily lives as well. What would you say to someone who's like, hey, you're a bar operator. Why do you want someone to drink at home? Don't you want them to come to your bar? Oh, I mean, I mean, the, to me, the whole point is to demonstrate that cocktails are you know, better than anything else. Like, you know, people talk about like a great meal and all those things, of course. But cocktails, like, as a daily practical thing of being able to, like, have as a skill set, you can see how much it just helps people get together or, you know, they end up, like, uh, you know, a, a long week and they can have a drink that really reflects their tastes and they can feel empowered to be able to go, you know what, I love this drink. I love these flavors. These are the spirits I have at home. I want to be able to do my version. That, to me, is, like, the absolute goal. Not only, you know, I don't think that even detracts from the venues. I love that. Like since, you know, people have got much more adept at making cocktails at home, they're coming into the bar and they're excited. They make a kick-ass Negroni or Martini or Manhattan at home. And they're like, I want to try something new. And you get to be the friendly neighborhood bartender to to show them something else and be part of their journey. And and that's to me that, you know, the thing I loved about being a bartender is just, you know, when somebody's come in and they, you know, they, they've heard something and they're, they're curious and they want to be able to to kind of, you know, buy into your experience and expertise to to be taken into a new direction. And, you know, that that to me is is it's not in any way a competition or a, or a conflict. It's not going to take away from from what they do. Bars aren't about the drinks. Bars are about getting together with people. So, you know, you, you're never lost if people are more educated. It's only a benefit. So I don't want you to make you know, choose your your favorite child. But do you have <laughs> a favorite recipe in the in the new book? Yeah, this. Well, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about two. So one, I think was it's the Cochin Cooler, and you know it was a drink that was really born out of like a personal experience. So you know I got to go travel and visit where ginger was grown, well the best ginger in the world was grown to like you know what you then pick up as a bottle of you know ginger ale, and you know you get a great bottle. You get a bottle of like particularly like Fever Tree is the one I love. And, you know, it gets the profile that I, I think really is kind of the wonderful tool as a, as a bartender. And, you know, being able to, to kind of see that and, and understand where it's from, you know, it just helps you think differently on how to apply a product. And it was really nice to channel that like personal experience. And I suppose, you know, a lot of years of, of working with these kind of products to go, actually, I think this can, I'm going to showcase a different side of this for you. So hopefully it's giving you, like again to that point that we just discussed it's like it's enabling something stronger for that that home consumer and it also kind of like flipped a favorite style of drink into a different direction i love kind of highballs you know a, a buck a whiskey soda like you know gin and tonic i love those families of drinks and you know those to me are some of the most social gathering points but thinking on that as a as a style of drink and going you know what could this feel in like a slightly more celebratory sense of it and it just, it's it's a simple take. And it's like, it's all about like the difference temperature and little differences of, of kind of glassware and presentation can do to make you take a drink that was very familiar at its heart to gin buck. But it's just it like with a couple of bits of refinement, it becomes something altogether different and, and, and magical. And I think that's a really lovely thing to, to kind of present and like 
it's a good learning to to be able to showcase for for somebody making cocktails at home. You know, I think it gets them to to realize not only all of the flavor levers we get to pull as a creator, you know, you get to be able to do this tiny little difference and, oh, wow, if I change the temperature, the flavor is completely different. But it's just opening up a new set of of, of kind of like narratives around what it is to make drinks. So I, I really liked that as a as a cocktail. And then one of the ones that that Alex actually, so kind of co-owner in, in Lion Stuff, he he did a drink uh, for the book and it's it's a really beautiful, like, again, Alex is very good at this, like a simple take of a couple of observations coming together. It's like a, so he called it a, a smoked watermelon shandy. And, you know, it's using a bit of peated whiskey. It's using some watermelon, some salt. It's a, a, a bit like a gelato with some beer in there as well. And it's just like this great, like sharing drink moment that you're just like, that's again, like that insight into what you need. It's in like the Friday night drinks kind of section of like, you need something late at night. It's got a bit of quenching. It's not too boozy. And it's just that wonderful thing of like a bartender understanding a moment and using their expertise to go, this is going to shine for you in this space. And yeah, it was, it was, it was really lovely. So I, 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 I really love that drink. I think it's a, a great example of, you know, taking uh, insight from, from the trade to make things work really wonderfully in, in a home setting. So speaking of the trade, when it comes to cocktails, you and the team definitely understand balance and why it's so important for a drink. So is there something a home bartender can kind of start to focus on to learn how to balance their drinks beyond just following a recipe? Yeah, I mean, I think there's often that like off, like I suppose most bartenders will say this. It's like, you know, yes, you've got to get good ingredients. But one of the ones that I think people overlook is is ice. And like, you know, I, I often say to people, you know, you need ice and ice cream in your freezer, maybe some frozen peas. But like, you know, it's a really good like, just habit to get into because it's going to make so much so much better balance to your cocktails is to have a drawer full of ice but actually one of the ones i really liked and we we did this as part of the masterclass series was i like encourage people to to make a lemonade and the reason behind it was you know that's like it's, it's a really simple thing a i don't think people realize how delicious fresh lemonade is like it's a great thing of going this is what like great fruits can be reflected in like, and it's, it's a very everyday ingredient that you might overlook and you might think you buy a store-bought lemonade and yeah, it's tasty. Make a like homemade lemonade and you're like, this is a great drink. <laughs> um, but how much you can kind of vary things and understand your own palate with simple changes. So getting your sweet sour balance, right? Like what does it mean to have an accent, a pinch of salt? You do it with sparkling water or still water. And you just, because it is simple, but it is delicious, you can start to make little changes and you can recognize differences in your palate and all the things that you genuinely love about something. And I think that's actually, it's quite a hard thing with taste. You know, we're not taught to, to dissect and reflect on those things. And, you know, just by being able to take something that's very humble, very accessible and help it understand something very fundamental to yourself is actually a very empowering thing. Um, so, I think people will dismiss it as a like a, a throwaway point, but I actually really encourage people to try do it is, is make a fresh lemonade and, you know, see what, like, do you like it with an extra teaspoon of lemon juice in there or a pinch of salt, or you want a sprig of mint to, to kind of garnish it rather than the lemon 
Um, you know, those little things, as soon as you observe them, you end up noticing more in everything that you make. And it's just this wonderful idea of just, if you focus on something simple, you realize that that's the foundation to everything else. Um, and it becomes, you know, it has a massive snowballing effect on making everything that you do that bit better. I feel like we could do an entire podcast episode of your masterclass teachings. That would be very helpful, actually. After a decade of success as an owner and operator, how do you stay engaged and stay excited about running bars? Oh, I don't think the excitement's a, a problem. Every time I go and interact with the team, I'm like blown away. Like I, you know, I walk into a room not just to like see the bar live and and you know see the energy of what they bring and 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 how much it's just a a wonderful reflection of you know yes things that I was excited to to try and help bring into the world, but just see them run away with and have the full keys to drive. Like you know, you go into a an operational meeting and you hear about all the things that they're they're doing or a creative meeting and just being around that passion is like it's magical like it's the things that kind of like make me go this is what it was all about so like i've i've never lost any ounce of excitement around everything that we do or you know and and that's not just to our projects it's it's everything i love you know when you're around passionate people which is what this industry is fueled by um it's impossible to not feel kind of like optimistic and excited by it so you know even when there's things that are frustrating you know that shows you care right like you know it's uh you know you see all of these things so it's um yeah i i i think it's it's always important to to kind of go and see what else is out there and i think again even if you are if you are running the most traditional bar in the world i think it's important to see the landscape of things you know we're all in this together and you know you can't have a traditional bar existing without an innovative one and vice versa so you know you need to be able to see what's going on and and like remain like ex inspired and like you know excited by all of those things so you know I, I feel very fortunate i get to to still travel and see what not just friends but peers and and, and new new whole areas to me are, are doing exciting in, in in the world of food and drink and you know, I, I feel constantly, yeah, very, very excited to see all of the new things that are coming out. You must take a just a, a lot of pride when you do step into one of your venues and you watch your bar team just absolutely slay being in the weeds. Because, I mean, when I travel and I watch a bar team do that, and, you know, just the seriousness comes over the face a little bit because they know they have to focus, but just the ballet they almost do to stay out of each other's way and they just kill all the tickets like it's got to be to be huge for you too to see that as an oh, I, absolutely like it's it, it's it's amazing to watch and you know we've we've always tried to go for kind of fairly high volume spaces that's what we do we do weird at scale like you walk into the bar and they're pumping out drinks and they're like you know but it's it's not just the you know obviously as a as a bartender it's lovely to watch the mechanics of of all of that happen and as you say the the kind of ballet of not just becoming a literal human mass disaster. Um, <laughs> but also like those subtle things, if you see somebody like notice something on the floor and like grab something or like you can see somebody like say something that really lights up somebody's like a group and they're just like explode with like beaming smiles. Like, you know, it's just all of those different touch points. And, you know, some of it is like you, you somebody's anticipated the mood and they've 
notched the lights or they've cranked the music a bit or you know you've you've seen somebody just like really breathe that space is 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 kind of like it's a joy to watch that and you know like I, I'm very aware that like the teams are are so much better than this than we ever were like and that's the point of progress right like they build on everything that we've you know like it you know this is the thing about sequence it couldn't have happened with you know all of my mentors and all the people before us that had gone on to kind of set up the conditions for us and you just watch that kind of baton get passed and you know people do things that you're like wow you are doing something amazing and you should feel very proud of it so yeah definitely it's it's great to be able to walk into the bars i constantly feel that like wonderful sense of awe so i don't want to make you jump the gun or anything or reveal too much but What's next for you and the Mr. Lion portfolio? Or because I'm a dork, I have to make the joke, the Mr. Lion Pride. Because everything <laughs> in there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is wonderful to think on that. Like, you know, this is a, a major point of, of of what we're trying to do now is is look at what's next. And, you know, there was a period, particularly post-pandemic, of like solidifying and like making sure that things were right on the, you know, back on tracks and you know, the world's in a mad place at the moment. So we want to make sure that there is stability, but it's, you know, we've, we've, we've got, we remain really excited and, you know, we've got brilliant people as part of the team. So we're, we're looking at where that growth is and what are the opportunities to, to kind of build that and, and kind of give progression and look at what can come next. Um, You know, partly it's around, you know, both, I suppose both sides of the business, you know, can we grow the venues? Can we grow the places in which we get to interact and and look at the fringes of food and drink? But it's also about how can we do things around, you know, education or excitement and, you know, the book, the Masterclass series, any of the bits that we've been able to do around like TV media, any of it is like, that's a, you know, those, both of those sides remain kind of like focus for us. And, you know, there's a, there's a couple of bits that are, are very new in both of those camps that I can't quite talk about just yet, but you know, just because they, you know, they, they're not real yet and I don't want to jinx them and we're, we're excited about whether they could happen. So we're trying to, to kind of like line up, how can we kind of push those sides because both of them remain kind of like equally important to us. That's a great answer. And I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch what happens next. So, I mean, you should also get to, enjoy what's current so and it sounds like you are with your celebrations so again congratulations on 10 years since white lion and i mean that's constant innovation from what i've seen and again not being afraid to shut down a brand or a venue to do something new and something else that's a boldness i don't think a lot of operators have so that's always exciting to see but congratulations and how can people you know connect with all the brands so that they can hopefully participate in the celebrations or just uh, check them out online? Thank you. I mean, I think the best place is usually, you know, we put everything up on socials where we're we're kind of doing the most dynamic stuff. So if you jump on at Mr. Lion, but on the MrLion.com, there's the links to, to all of the different bits that are going on. And that's where we're going to start to populate some of the, yeah, the, the new reveals that, that hopefully should be out fairly soon. Fantastic. Brian, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it absolute joy to chat i really appreciate it too thank you for listening to the bar hacks podcast produced by krg hospitality and hosted by me david clem if you like what you're hearing please rate review subscribe and share follow us on twitter at ask bar hacks and instagram at bar hacks talk to you soon